If you want to know what the secret is to having a service like this, it's just people being obedient. That's all it is. If you if you have a, a song, you play it or you sing it. If you've got a testimony, you give it. Uh, if you want to thank God, you thank God. And I'll tell you what, uh, look what God will do after that. He'll, he'll bless us each and every time. I tell you, uh, this can happen every time. This is not, uh, he's good enough. We can worship him uh, every time. And, I, and I'm glad we can get into his word. As uh, you know me, I love the word of God. Uh, there is nothing like this book. I hope, I hope if you remember something that I say uh, uh, over the years, I hope you remember that. It's that, that I, uh, there is nothing higher than the Bible. Nothing comes anywhere near it. Uh, and I'm thankful that we can dig into it. But uh, Philippians 2.12 uh, is where we're going to be. Just two verses. Uh, now, don't worry. Two verses doesn't mean a short message all the time. So don't you worry. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll get your money's worth today. But uh, I'm glad we can dig into the word of God. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, it says this, Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for your word today. I thank you that we can already feel your sweet spirit and your presence among us. And Lord, I pray that you just help us to uh, be able to get into your word, make it clear to us. Lord, uh, we ask the Holy Spirit to convict us in areas that need conviction. Lord, if there's any lost, I pray they'd come to know you. And Lord, the Christians, that we would draw closer to you uh, and deal with those things that you point out. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for everything that you're doing and going to do. And in Jesus name we pray and amen. So Paul uh, begins chapter two of Philippians uh, by telling Christians first that we need to be like-minded. We need to love one another. We need to look out for one another, to bear one another's burdens. Uh, and then after that, in between uh, verses five and 11, in that section right there, he tells us we need to have the same mind of Jesus Christ when he came the first time. Uh, he came the first time as a humble servant, right? We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a manger. Uh, he wasn't born to, born to royalty. He was born to a very poor family. Uh, and he was a humble servant and was obedient to the death on the cross. And then God highly exalted him. Those verses 5 through 11, they're awesome. I wish I could uh, deal with those as well, but we're going to have to uh, save that for later. But I, I love that passage. And he's saying, hey, we need to have the same mindset that Jesus had. We need to have that mindset of humbling ourselves and being obedient to God and let God praise you later. Don't look for the praises of men. Uh, uh, don't look for that. Look for uh, God to, uh, to bless you and to praise you. You know why? Because pride, I believe, is one of the most dangerous things that a Christian can run into. It is so dangerous. We could fall into it. And you know, Paul himself battled pride. We know that. that that section where he talks about him having a thorn in the flesh that buffeted him. And he he tried to go to God three times asking him to remove it. And God came back and said, my grace is sufficient for you. You know that uh, little section right there. Uh, God told him uh, that my grace is sufficient. Otherwise, and I'm paraphrasing, you're going to be lifted up in pride if this isn't here. It was a reminder that that thorn in the flesh was to remind Paul and to bring him him down and to say, hey, you need the Lord every day in your life. 
and so do we. Because I don't know about you, I don't want to. I don't want to fall and stumble because of pride. I don't want to be brought down by the Lord. I'd rather humble myself and be raised up by Him. So that's the section right before this. And before we deal with uh, verse twelve, I want to. I want to remind you of something. Uh, I, I there. There's a message that I preached a while back that that I dealt with what happens when you're saved and I'm going to tell you real quick the the different things really fast here's what happens when you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you're saved by grace through faith and not of your own works this is what happens real fast number one we're regenerated that means God transforms your heart transforms your mind and allows you to live and walk in righteousness then you're converted right God gives you a new life you're born again you know all those descriptions he makes you a new creature in Christ basically you get to start over with a new slate right Uh, then you're forgiven God takes the record of all the sins and wipes it all clean by the blood of Jesus Christ never to be remembered again praise God I like that one don't you not only that we're justified and what that means is he declares someone that's guilty to be innocent praise God right because he's wiped away the sin you're now innocent just as if you've never sinned but then the other part of justification he takes the righteousness of Jesus Christ and puts it on our account as if we lived righteously that's a good one isn't it not only that but you are redeemed he paid the price to release you from the bondage the slave market of sin we were in bondage to the devil we didn't even know it and he paid the price to get us out of there he redeemed us from that bondage and now we can uh, then we're reconciled you know we used to be an enemy to God we used to be an enemy and didn't realize it again we were against God Uh, remember Paul on the road to Damascus he's saying why why are you kicking against the pricks why are you fighting against me Paul that's what Jesus said but aren't you glad we're reconciled we used to be enemies but once we're saved we've got a relationship now Uh, aren't you glad for that not only a relationship but we're adopted right Uh, 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 we get a new name we get a new family and in Roman times adoption was different today basically that old life was gone and it's if you were always in that new family praise God for that that's what happens when you're saved and also uh, right as soon as it happens you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you that's a good deal isn't it that's a good deal but then the question is what do you do next what do you do the moment after you're saved? You're saved, right? You're headed to heaven. Uh, you're forgiven. You're adopted. You're justified. All these things. You're born again. Now what? What do you do after that? Look at verse 12. Philippians 2.12. Wherefore. Remember uh, that word wherefore. If you ever see that or therefore or wherefore. A word like that means he is connecting everything before it to this verse. Okay. Uh, so remember he's saying in verse 8. Uh, Jesus was obedient unto death on the cross. He did the father's will in his life. That was his whole purpose was to die for the sins of the world. Now reading that. Wherefore my beloved brethren as ye have always obeyed. Not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence we're going to focus on this right here work out your own salvation with fear and trembling you know what happens when you are right after you're saved now you're a christian and this begins the christian life and really what it is is it actually is a long a lifelong struggle of working out your own salvation with fear and trembling 
And you're thinking, well, Mike, what does this mean? Well, we'll, we'll try to break it down a little bit. You think about if you're born again or a new creature, what does that mean? That means you have to start over, right? You have a whole new life. It, it, it begins. You've got an entirely new life. Now, we've got a lot of babies in the church, and I'm sure a lot of you have had babies or encountered them. What happens with babies? They have to learn everything, don't they? They have to learn how to walk or crawl, they have to learn how to pull themselves up, they have to learn how to walk, they have to learn how to talk, learn how to feed themselves, just all sorts of things that they're learning. And here's the thing, as a baby Christian, right, if you're saved, you're basically a baby Christian. And what happens, you need to learn how to talk, you need to learn how to treat people, you need to learn how to love and to serve, uh, you need to learn everything there is to this new life. But here's the big difference. Unlike a newborn baby that has to learn everything, as a baby Christian, you don't forget everything from the past, right? You still have the same body, right? There are things that don't change, so you have the old life with the sinful habits and everything else. And, and, and here's the thing. Now, God will take away some things immediately when you're saved. I've heard many testimonies of people deep in addiction and different things like that. And the moment they were saved, God took it away just like that. But he doesn't do that every time. There are certain things that we may have to battle our entire life until the Lord takes us home. And here's the thing. Well, then what is a successful Christian life? What's it look like? Paul said this, 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He's telling young Timothy, he's saying, here's what it looks like. Number one, I fought a good fight. That's, the, that's what we're talking right here. Paul is saying, I've worked out my own salvation with fear and trembling. I fought those fleshly desires. I fought those temptations. I fought those things. And then he says, I finished my course. I never quit. I didn't give up. I kept on going. No matter how hard it got, no matter what anybody did to me, he says, Paul says, I finished the course, and then finally I kept the faith. I've relied on God for all my needs. I've trusted him to help me each day. That's what a successful Christian life looks like. In the eyes of God, you're faithfully following God's plan for, you, for your life. You're walking by faith. You're seeking the Lord first. You're living righteously according to the Bible day after day. You're walking with God. You're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, it's not a quick process. These babies, it takes them a long time, doesn't it? And, and some takes longer than others, right, to learn certain things. We're noticing that with the twins. You would think they'd learn everything at the same time, but no. Nothing's the same. One's walking, one's still crawling, one's doing this one. So you're seeing they're definitely working, uh, uh, you know, at different speeds. And that's the thing. Uh, but here's the thing. Even though it's a lifelong journey and, and it isn't a quick process, you should start to see some of these behaviors changing. You should start seeing some of the things that you used to do that were opposite of the Bible and opposite of what God wants. You should see that slowly being replaced. By following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Slowly being replaced. That, that anger and hatred you had should be being replaced with love. Uh, and, and those things that you were doing against God should be replaced with following God's will. And the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And then I have this question. Have you seen some of this evidence in your life? Because if you're saved, 
You should see some of these changes take place. Now, again, it's not you're not going to instantly be a mature Christian just like that because you prayed to the Lord and asked him to save you. Remember, it's the beginning of the Christian life. But if you've been at this for a while, are you seeing changes in your life? You shouldn't be a baby Christian for 20 years. You should not. We take a child to the doctor and say, what's wrong if they never grew? Right? They measure everything. Where are you at on the charts? Where's it going? So are you seeing this evidence of growth in your life? Or is that growth on pause right now? Or is it going backwards? Right? The words work out. You know what it means right here is to continually work on something until you bring it to completion, until it's finished. But here's the thing. You won't be finished in this life. You're not going to completely get to where God wants you to be in this life. But uh, uh, until we die or God calls us home at that point, he'll glorify us. He'll give us a new body. He'll take away the old sinful flesh. We're not going to sin again against him at that point. But until that point, we're working it out. And see, some would use this verse the wrong way and would say that this means that, uh, you know, uh, works has to be involved, you know, to either keep your salvation or works have to be, you know, maybe salvation is a combination of faith and works together to make it complete. Uh, but Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is pretty clear in this. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you're saved today, it's because you decided to repent and you heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You believed on it and you put your trust in him and you called on his name for forgiveness of sins. And that's it. He answered that prayer. He saved your soul. He did all those things I said in the beginning of the message. So we can't boast about any of it because it was all him. Right. But the next verse, Ephesians 2.10 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Works will not save you. Works will not keep you saved. But here's the thing. You should be doing good works. You should be doing what God's led you to do. You should be doing God's will in your life. That's why we need to work it out. That's why he's saying that. And then the last part of the verse, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When Jesus first came to this earth, he was humble. He was obedient under the cross, like I said, and many would say, well, Jesus was weak, right? He was a weak one. Uh, uh, he, uh, they killed him. They overpowered him and everything else. But don't you forget for a moment, he was the creator of the universe. And don't you forget that he said, I lay down my life and I'll take it up again. He, he voluntarily allowed them to do all of these things. And all these things were in the plan of God anyway. It's not that they had a one-up on Jesus Christ. They were fulfilled. Uh, God's will and didn't even realize it is sovereign will uh, but here's the thing Jesus is coming back to this earth he's not coming back in a manger he's not coming back as a baby no he's coming back on a white horse he's going to eliminate all of the problems he's going to sit on the throne of David he is going to get rid of every enemy without even a fight listen he's a conquering king and you may look around and say, well, that doesn't look like it. It just hasn't happened yet. That's the only thing. 
And some people treat God, I don't know if you've seen this, they treat God with such disrespect. Not just taking his name in vain, but they, they say, hey, uh, there's just no respect with God. Like he's wrong and, uh, uh, you know, he's an idiot and everything else. They say all these things. But let me ask you this question. If you were to go to a country with a king or a queen and you were able to meet them, that would be a big privilege, right? Not everyone gets to do that. You would bow down to them because that's what's appropriate. That's what you would do. But they're just a man or a woman, right? I'm talking about God, the God of this earth. And, and how can we tell him that he's wrong? And how could we ignore him? Or how can we treat him? You know, uh, a lot of people do. They treat him as like a genie in a bottle, right? When I need something, then I'll get to God. Then I'll talk to God when I need something. And then as soon as I get what I need, I don't talk to God anymore. That's the problem with a lot of people today. Like I said in Sunday school. We've had a lot of uh, financial blessings over the years and really for over a decade, uh, the economy's been great. So they're not rubbing the bottle anymore, right? Because I've got everything that I need. God is not your genie. He, is, he either is your Lord or he's nothing to you. But he is God. He created you. He died for you. He saved you and he is your master. He bought you with a price. And don't you work out your own salvation because Paul told you to do it. Or I said you need to do it. Do it because God commanded you to do it in his word. You know why? Every single one of us will stand before Jesus Christ one day. All of us. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. From the moment you're saved, not only do you get a clean slate, but God hits the record button. Right? And everything's recorded after that. What are you doing for him? How are you acting? What's going on? Uh, are you obedient to his will? Or are you making excuses? One day we will be judged for that. But here's the great thing about it. Uh, we need to live every day uh, knowing that we will stand before him. But here's the thing. Uh, when he says uh, we, you work out your own salvation, you can stop. And we're not standing before Jesus right now yet. But you can stop and judge yourself and use God's word and say you know what what if I was standing before him today what would he say what would he bring out yeah. would, would, would those works that go tried through the fire would anything come out on the other end a am I serving him and am I serving him by faith am I doing it for the right reason or doing it for myself it's not too late to change anything that's the great thing about God Unlike us, you wrong me enough times and I may write you off forever. Well, I'm not supposed to, but I might. But aren't you glad the Lord isn't like that? Amen. Man, gives us another chance. So what is it when you think about and you look at your life? What do you need to work on? Because he's saying that work out your own salvation. What do you need to work on? Number one is the Holy Spirit convicting you of something right now. Try working on that. We need to work on it. You need to improve your prayer life. Is, is that something you know that you need to work on it, right? Are, are you studying your Bible regularly? If not, you need to work on it, right? Are you trusting yourself instead of trusting the Lord? We've got to trust him. Then work on it. Is there unconfessed sin in your life, right? Is there something that you're hiding from everyone? God can see it. And he, if he's dealing with you, you need to work on it. And here's a big one. If you're not doing the Lord's will in your life, 
you've got to work on it. It's not too late now. There's still time to change. Don't ignore the problem. Don't excuse it. Work on it. What through prayer? Work on it with God's word. Go to a, a mature Christian that you see that maybe has gone through something similar and, and talk to them about it. We're here to work together for one another and uh, work on your own salvation with fear and trembling. But you know what the devil tries to do? He's awful. You know what he'll do? He'll take a message like this and he'll say, you know what? You can't do anything right. You're worthless. Right? You're doing nothing right. You're, you're never good enough. And see, that's one end of the one extreme. And then or on the other side of the extreme, he'll say, you know what? You've made it. There's nothing to work on anymore. Right? That's the pride, right? I've made it. I've actually encountered people that, that say they've hit a point in Christian life where they're, they're just not sinning anymore, which baffles me. You must not know what sin is. I mean, have you seen how broad it is in the word? But there are two extremes, and we don't need to be on either of them. Listen, you, God knows you're not perfect. He's not looking for the standard of perfection. And if you think you're perfect, you're not. You're deceived. You know what? He wants you to be in the middle, right? Knowing you're not there yet, but that shouldn't stop you from trying to get there. Amen. We need a balance. He wants you to work it out. He wants you to keep growing spiritually for your whole life. Attack those areas of sin. Attack those areas where excuses come. Uh, Focus on those weak points and draw closer to the Lord. Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And you're stopping and say, okay, Mike, I understand. But how on earth are we going to do this? Right? How are we going to do this? How are we going to attack every one of these areas that I'm struggling with? How are we going to do it? Remember, it's a daily battle. You said uh, we're going to struggle with the flesh versus the spirit. We're never going to be sinless. It's going to be battle every day. And it sounds impossible, doesn't it? Till you get to the next verse. Verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If you try to change yourself, it's impossible, right? We can't change ourselves. We talked about Sunday school. Some of you, before you got saved, tried to turn over a new leaf, right? You tried to change yourself without God changing you. It was impossible, wasn't it? Oh, you can make a few changes or maybe they'll last for a little while, but you can't create a new self, right? You can't fix yourself. But aren't you glad that God is ready to work from the inside? That's what he's saying. It is God which worketh in you. But, 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 he's not going to force it. He will not force spiritual growth on you from the inside. Oh, he will convict you. The Holy Spirit will convict you. Conviction will be there. You'll get into his word. You'll realize you're following short. But he will not force it. But he's ready to work for you. He's waiting for you to ask him for help. He's waiting for you and I to trust him. And aren't you glad that, remember Jesus, before he ascended back up into heaven, he said, I'm going to send a comforter uh, to dwell with you. And that comforter is the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that comforter, uh, that Holy Spirit will teach us, will help us, will guide us. Uh, and we can not only have the Holy Spirit, but we have access to the Father. We have an intercessor, Jesus Christ. We can pray to him all the time. Uh, 
and, and all of these things. And he will help us to do his will. He'll help us to live righteously. But here's the problem. We don't pray for it. We don't dig into the Bible like we should. And here's what happens. You don't do those two things. You don't get what you need. Right? You have not because you ask not. Isn't that what the Bible says? But we could get everything we need. And the Bible sums up everything that we need to be successful as a Christian into one word. It's grace. Grace. You know what he wants to do? God wants to work on the inside so that we can work on the outside. Right? That's what he's saying. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says, you come to me. You ask for help, I'll work on the inside. But you still got to work too. This is not a one, this is not a one, thing, one person uh, thing where, where you trust in God to do everything. Well, you change me, Lord, as I sit there not willing to move, right? Uh, Lord, teach me, but I'm not willing to get in your word. Lord, give me uh, the, the things that I need, but I'm not willing to pray to you for it. It's not going to work. That's why he's saying work out your salvation. You need to work on it. That's what he's saying every day to learn. Imagine these babies, if they could refuse all help, refuse all instruction, right? Refuse all these things. It wouldn't work. It won't work for you and I. It won't work. We've got to trust him. And remember, we're a servant of God. We're here to do the master's will. But if we trust him, if we're obedient to him, he will give us the grace, everything that we need uh, to succeed, everything to do what he's called us to do. And you can see that in your life. Remember all the times where I've just trusted him and said, Lord, it doesn't make sense. I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm afraid uh, it doesn't seem like the right thing, but you called me to do it. I'm going to do it. And you step out in faith and realize God gives you exactly what you need when you need. That's grace. He's not going to let us down. He'll help us deal with sinful behaviors too. He'll help us replace worldly things with spiritual things and show the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. But again, He won't force it. You realize you can be a lazy Christian in this life. You can. You're thinking, well, Mike, I don't know if I believe that. Well, go into the Old Testament and look up Abraham's nephew, Lot. Yeah. And tell me one thing that he did for God. One thing. Oh, when he was hanging around with Abraham, his life was okay. But I don't ever see him building an altar. I don't ever see him worshiping God. I don't ever see him trusting God. I don't ever see him talking to God. I don't see him praying to God. I don't see his family. He leads them to a place that looked like Sodom, that was worldly, because he thought it would be a blessing for them. And in the end, he loses everything. But God, the Bible still calls him a righteous man. Yeah. So if you want to live a lazy life, all right. But you're going to stand before Jesus one day. And it's going to be beyond embarrassing when all that life you've given to him, you wasted it and did nothing with it. Oh, you'll still be in heaven. But you'll wish every day you could have undone that. Yeah. But here's the thing. Lot lost all of his family. Yeah. Every bit of them. They either died in Sodom or his wife turned back or the two that lived started out with incest. That was the first thing that they did. It was a mess. Is that what you want? Is that what you want your legacy to be? Not me. You know what that means? We got to work it out. We got to do it. We can't quit. 
We can't give up. We can't just say, well, this is as far as I'm getting and rest on our laurels. No, we've got to continue to draw closer to the Lord. Why? Because that's what he wants and that's what will change this world. I am here to tell you that you can dedicate your entire life to studying God's word and it will help you every day, right? You can trust God every day and in the days you don't figure out why we don't and then say, you know what? I'm going to make a difference tomorrow. That's the key. See, we could just say, you know what? I blew it. I blew it last year. I blew it uh, the last 10 years. I blew it my whole life up into this. And you can let that stop you. You can let the devil discourage you. Or you can say, you know what, devil? You've already had 5, 10, 15, 20 years. You're not getting another day from me because I'm going to trust Jesus Christ because of what he did for me. I'm tired of being a baby Christian. And guess what? You've lied to me, devil, thinking that I can't do grow. I can't change any bad behaviors. I can't give rid of any sin you're a liar because God is working in me that Holy Spirit can change anything if you'll let it if you'll trust me and that's what I want isn't that what you want that's what you want in me right you don't want a pastor that's going backwards you want one that's going forwards I want a congregation that's going forward not backwards because all together it's unstoppable yeah it's unbelievable. Guess what? We're going to stand before him. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? The same Jesus that died for your sin and saved you is the same Jesus we're going to stand and give an account. I'm telling you what, if, if you get nothing out of the Bible as a Christian, you need to focus on that right there. Because... You know, I, I have to stand before my boss once a year, and we do the annual review. I don't, you guys do this too, and it's kind of silly sometimes. And you got to brag on yourself a little bit, you know. And you got to, and then you see what they think about you, and you know, it's just this weird thing. And then, uh, you know, sometimes you get a raise, sometimes you don't. You know, just all that stuff. You, they say you're really good, and then you get one percent raise. But anyway. Um, <laughs> we're really going to stand before Jesus. And it's not going to be this play around, check the box because HR says every year we've got to do this. This is real. And he's not going to puff us up to make us feel good before giving us nothing, right, financially. He's going to give us the truth. Here was your life. Here's what I gave you. And here's what you did with it. Yeah. There's nothing more important than that day. We need to treat every day as a Christian knowing that one day we'll stand before him. But, lest I make you all sad, look at verse 16. We didn't read it, but look at it. Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I've not run in vain. Neither labor than me. <laughs> I, I focused on the bad side a lot. <laughs> but we're going to stand before him. And he's also going to bring out the good things that we've done for him. Yeah. And there are things that we've done for the Lord. 
that you have no idea the results. There are people in your life that yeah. did something for you that, that changed the course of your life because they were faithful and, and, and they have no idea. Let me tell you, if you're faithful to the Lord, you are one of those people for somebody else and you may not know it. And thank God we don't know it because we just get puffed up anyway. But every once in a while, he gives us a little glimpse of how we've been able to touch someone's eye. I'm, I'm going to just, I'm just going to bear myself with you real quick and tell you there are times I wonder if anyone's ever listening. There are times I wonder is it even worth it? There are, it is a lot of work to, to come up here because I don't want to say the wrong thing. I, I don't want to lead anybody astray. It, it's a lot of work to do God's will. And, and we have a family and our lives are busy and I work and everything else. And there are times the devil tries to convince me that all of this is in vain. But then every once in a while, he'll just let one of those things slip through. Yeah. And I'll realize it's not in vain. It's not in vain. People are listening. God is making a change, not because of who I am, but because who is working in me. And when I would just, when he's working in me, if I would just work on things as well and draw a little closer to him and trust him a little bit more, he makes things happen. He'll do that for you today. He'll do that for you. And I want you, you know, we think about New Year's resolutions. Who cares about New Year's? How about a today resolution? I'm going to get closer to the Lord. Amen. I'm going to deal with those things that I know he's been dealing with me. I'm going to really deal with them. I'm going to take them to him. I'm going to get in God's word and see how it'll help me uh, to, to do what I need to do. I'm going to make some changes. Because I know I'll stand before him. I know one day I will. And I can't change the past, but I can change today. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone to stand.